Oh yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with class. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. All right, welcome back, welcome back, everybody, to the second half. I've got a great show today. Happy Friday, everybody. This is your boy, Dino, a.k.a. Launchpad. Real quickly, let's run through who's here with me from the crew. Uh, we have... Peaches. Peaches, 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 peaches. Organic and creamy. Wow. Is that a new... Uh, wow. He added that wow. on. Trying to, trying to own it as much as I can. There you go. Wow. That's owning it. I just can't. That's owning That's it. That's how he introduces himself <laughs> at Great America. That's how I'm going to do it. Hi, I'm Peaches, Organic and Creamy. Are you gonna organic do- and Creamy. Are you riding the Grizzly? Me too. Organically and Creamy. Hence the cream. And uh, your demon barber, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. No, he did his own thing. <laughs> so what? So you go from you go from using your own nickname one episode to doing your own sound effects. Hey man, you gotta own it, right? Just like Peaches. Peaches has his uh, entrance music, so he's so dramatic. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my uh, sweet dog. The bird dog is here. I don't have I don't have a theme song. Not no, yet. but he added the the bird dog. You could. You're a normal yeah. introduction, and and just ride buggy, just just normal me. Ride buggy, ride buggy. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. I can't do that. Um, but uh, more importantly, with us today, we've got um, got a great guest. Very excited about this episode uh, today. We are joined by Ben Gakrama. AKA Daily B Baller. Daily AKA. Yeah. So I'm going to run through your extensive bio here. You run Team Daily Athletic Training, uh, Daily Digital Agency. Uh, you've also been the head coach for Tracy Spartan's AAU team, 11 and under uh, team. Yep. Right? Um, you had the B Ball is Life Takeover team and hosted three B Ball Life Takeover events throughout the Bay Area. Yeah. Just three or more coming? Uh, three B Ball is Life events. So whenever they're in town or coming to town, they usually hit me up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, from the South Bay, Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale, South Bay? That's South Bay, right? It's kind of. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah, South Bay ish. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's a good question. Where is the cut? They, they got yeah, where's the cutoff for South Bay or Cupertino? I don't know. No, I, think, uh, I, so. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know where the cutoff for the Tully, Bay Area is. Tully Tully Road, to be honest, Moffin Field. Moffin Field. Wait, for Bay Area, it's kind of. You live by Moffin Field. For Bay not South Bay. No, where's it? Yeah? Oh, you say Tully and San Jose? I'm saying it is Bay Area. But yeah, so South I, Bay, so, it's still Bay Area. Now we have a debate here See, around. Yeah, that's what. That's for another. The point is, once you start getting into Gilroy, then you know you're not in South yeah, Bay. No, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no. You start smelling the garlic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've gone too far. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, Ben did not go that far. Grew up in Sunnyvale. Had a quote unquote normal Filipino upbringing, which we want to talk about. Yeah. Definitely um, want to talk, and talk about that. Want to hear what but normal means? Two strong, hardworking parents, a special needs brother. Um, taught himself how to play basketball, overlooked at a younger age on the basketball court, which I imagine is some of your inspiration. So mm-hmm. definitely want to get into that. And um, I think probably the biggest inspiration for you is you decided to represent forgotten individuals who were treated like they couldn't play. 
uh, with the goal to impact and unite people through both sports and be used uh, as a tool to change hearts and minds through faith. Um, did I capture everything about you, Ben? That was great, man. Yeah, that was that awesome. Good? That was perfect. What more? If you were to describe yourself, like if people say, what's your story? Like beyond all of that, what do you like to tell people? Um, I would just say just an individual that is constantly working on himself uh, every single day, daily, literally. Uh, just constantly just looking at different faults, different strengths, and just constantly working on that. Yeah. Is that due to your quote-unquote normal Filipino upbringing? Um, I would say it's more in line with the feeling overlooked side of things. Uh, I didn't come from, uh, so when we say normal, right, uh, we're more talking about, from what I'm, as far as you know, I'm concerned, it's just two hardworking parents uh, that really one works in the morning, one works at night. Uh, you don't really see them. One's sleeping once they get home and so forth. Uh, so just having that, not really having the su- support system, I guess you could say, towards the things that you're passionate about, um, that's that's more of the, the side of things. That I, what did your I, folks I, do uh, for a living? Uh, so my mom worked in uh, just random like tech positions, uh, doing like, uh, you know, working at fabs and, you know, doing different types of manufacturing jobs. You're in uh, Sunnyvale, Silicon yeah, Valley, so yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, my dad was uh, a technician for uh, a government company, which we can't talk about. But <laughs> Some three-letter uh, yeah, agency. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. So yeah. you were your only child, or did you have siblings? So I have my older brother, who's special needs. Um, that's right, that's right. Yeah, that's right. so uh, my brother, Benji, uh, and he taught me a lot about just kind of being humble um, and just, you know... Uh, being able to take care of other people too as well. I think that was a big thing that he taught me. Um, and, you know, again, the underdog aspect of it as well, right? You know, having a special needs brother, people look at you, you know, at, at, as far as I can see, people look at him differently, um, which really opened my eyes at a young age to say, okay, well, there's a lot of people out there that probably feel like they're looked at kind of differently too as well. Um, how do we overcome that, you know? Uh, What's the age difference? Uh, so my brother's about four years older than me, yeah years older yeah but what was that like growing up like when did you realize like that he was he was different you know unique uh a young age i mean yeah you know i i ever since i can remember uh just because obviously it's it's tough for my parents to be able to take care of him. you know special needs is, is different uh he's epileptic he's uh you know he has a uh learning disability um uh, so speech impediment um so a lot of times when i would be at home while my mom was asleep i would be watching him Hmm. Uh, and I'm five, six years old, you know, 10 years old watching my older brother, you know, so, so that was something that was different. Um, uh, but, um, that made me grow up a lot, you know, real fast. Was that communicated to you as a, as a responsibility or you just learned to do it naturally? It was almost like expected, I guess you could say, uh, probably, you know, groomed as I was a younger, you know, you gotta be a brain surgeon <laughs> so that you can help your brother out. Um, at a young age, that was a big discussion constantly with my parents was like, oh, you got to become a doctor, this and that, so you can help your brother. Um, but that gave me more of, I didn't never really took that serious. Even as a kid, I don't even remember ever being like, oh, yeah, well, now I got to be a doctor, you know, but it was more like I got to take care of my, my big brother kind of situation. Yeah. That's the normal I was looking for because that's usually the expectation of, you know, Filipino parents, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think when with Filipinos, as far as a culture, right, it's yeah. always like take care of others you know so that was a big thing growing up yeah. yeah yeah so when did you start playing uh playing basketball i mean as a kid i probably like 
when I was in my like maybe like 10, 11, I can remember playing with my friends at the park. Uh, taking it seriously wasn't even until later, you know, when we started playing in different like leagues and Filipino leagues and adult leagues. Uh, but just playing for fun uh, around like 10, 11 years old, just at the parks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you play high school ball? No, didn't play any school ball. Really? Uh, didn't play any school ball. And that kind of goes in line with, you know, feeling overlooked. Uh, as a, in elementary school, uh, I remember uh, being that kid that everybody wanted to be on the team, but then never getting playing time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was like, okay, my friends want me to be on the team, so I'm on the team because I'm killing them on the courts at, at during recess. But, you know, we get there and the coach doesn't see me as an actual player. Um, and there was one incident that really stands out uh, to me. Um, and this is something that has driven me up, up to this point. Um, was where I was actually on the team during the game. It was one of the, I think it was one of the last games of our season, and my parents came, my cousins came, all came to the game. I didn't play one second. Oh man, not one second of the game. My friend came up to me. His dad is the coach. After the game, was like, "Hey, my bad. My dad forgot you was on the on the team." <laughs> was this an AAU or no? This is a, this was like a, a private school. Hmm. Uh, you know, in uh, I think it was like. Seventh grade or eighth grade or something like that. Wow, yeah. but like that a CYO type kind of thing. Yeah, one of those type of leagues. Yeah, exactly. Yep, and that that's been a chip on my shoulder ever since. Yeah. What age did you start? Uh, I started playing like yeah. basketball just for fun, like 10, 11 years old. Yeah, 10, yeah, 10 or eleven yeah. years old. We didn't have like the AUs and yeah, yeah, the trainers that you you know the kids have nowadays. It was all self taught. You go to the park, you go hoop. Maybe you have some imagination behind it, pretending you're hitting that that last you know last second shot. Uh, but that was pretty much. Yeah. So, what drew you to basketball? My my dad, my dad drew me to basketball. My my dad used to they my dad and my cousins used to always play basketball every uh, every Saturday, mm. and they're still playing. Actually, we live in Tracy, uh, so but they play in Sunnyvale. So he drives there every Saturday just to play still? basketball. Wow. Yeah, still to this day. How old's your dad now? He's about seventy three. So you're telling Good me, him, you're, man. <laughs> you're telling me there's no reason that Sweeney Todd and Ride Boogie, uh, we were having a conversation right before is that they've retired. So you're saying like there's literally like we have no excuse to quit. No, so you I can't have, put that I, on I me, have a legit reason. No, 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 no I have a legit that. reason. Doctor's it's, order, it's either I keep playing, get hurt, then I have to have surgery, then I miss work, my livelihood is taken away from me. Or okay. I could try okay. to play. <laughs> you're you're for okay. the hell you're of okay, it, bro. You're okay. Don't don't let them put you against the fence here. Coach, yeah, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> One thing that's impressive though that they still play. No, yeah, yeah. no, that is that's that's and that he's making a drive actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 My mom hates it because <laughs> she's always you know down there because we don't live out there anymore. But she finds ways to keep busy with my brother. Uh, but yeah, to to your point, right? Like, I mean, my dad has health issues and whatnot, but he just. He makes sure to do that because he needs to stay active. Right. And that's just his way of staying active. Not just physically, but his friends are out there and mm-hmm. they still play. So that's like his way of mentally staying active too. And exactly. I, you Is know it what like I mean? super early in the morning? Yes. <laughs> he goes actually right after work. So he goes to work from 8 until... So he works out in Palo Alto, goes there right after, and he works from like 8 until like 12, and then goes there at 2 and plays... On the blacktop, I can't even do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, who plays on the blacktop anyway? Right, man, exactly, man. My knees, like, I, I'll end up with a you know knee injury, back injury. Larry Johnson's mom that, was the last one life, on blacktop. Isn't it usually on the blacktop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually. Grandma, yeah, usually. So, grandma, mom reference. That's the great thing about it. I don't play. I organize it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the first event we organized out in Hayward, uh, they reached out to me. 
you know, you, you know, my Instagram following, uh, they hit me up and said, Hey, we know you're in the Bay Area. Do you know any gyms? I just happened to work at a gym, uh, in Hayward at the time. Um, and I said, I can get you guys in the gym. COVID, everything else was closed down. They had, you know, no other real other gyms to go to. So we ended up going there. There was a bunch of, they tried to have a bunch of restrictions, but we kind of just kind of let it fly. Um, and we ended up having it there for the first one. Second one we did in Oakland, and then the final one we did out in Mountain House, California, which was one of my favorites for sure. Really quick, can you give our listeners your Instagram handle? Yes, uh, at Daily B Baller. Okay. At Daily B Baller, yeah. Nice. Uh, which um, Ball is Life players made it out to the first one? Um, it was uh, Frank Nitty. Um, it was Cesar Guerrero. It was uh, Marcus Monstar. Um, and I forget who the rest were. Uh, Ty Glover was there. As mm. well, I'm trying to remember the fifth. They usually and Kenny Dobbs was there too as well. He was like nice. the the main guy, uh, just kind of again helping, assisting, and organizing it. He reached out to me. Uh, he was the one that actually reached out to me first to actually get us out there. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was good for the community. That was my main thing. I didn't get paid on that situation at all. Uh, you know, it was just let's do it for the community. Let's get these guys to the Bay Area because they're always in SoCal. They're always in these other places. We've been talking about trying to get them out here to the Bay Area, but this is their West Coast team, right? This is the West Coast team, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I this might even have been before they did the West Coast East Coast thing. This was just their team, mm-hmm. um, and we just I had been pushing for it, and we had been making podcasts during COVID, saying, well, "How come these guys don't ever come to the Bay? There's talent out here. Da, 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 da. Uh, they're too bougie to come out here, this and that." And then they end up coming out, and it was cool. And they're amazing people too, Excellent. like the players themselves, like. They're, you know, building a relationship with their security guard, uh, Man Cheese, is awesome. Um, their whole team in general is just amazing. Yeah, they're really good people, really nice. good people. But yeah, it was cool to see, and to be able to do that for the community was huge, too. Yeah. Can you, backing up just a little bit, though, uh, can you talk a little bit about, like, uh, not getting a second of playing time yeah. uh, to now you're, like, organizing these events for, you know, a very – broad community for and giving back to the community so what is it about basketball that for you is like aside from your dad right um being an inspiration but like what is it about the sport itself that's a passion or that you love or that like energizes you to want to share it with other people yeah i mean the cool thing about that i love about sports in general especially for me well, with basketball i'll just say with me is it brings people together right everybody like it doesn't matter if you're filipino it doesn't matter if you're any other culture right it'll bring you together at some point uh, you're going to make friends. You're going to make. You're going to be able to bring the community together, um, and I, that always inspired me. And uh, you know, to to go back to my dad being the inspiration to see him bring people together uh, of all different cultures within our little neighborhood was crazy to me uh, as a kid. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, there's young, older guys, this and that, guys that are dunking. But my dad is like the middle guy. He's in charge of the run, and he's this five four Filipino. <laughs> you know, with a with a with a little belly, you know, it's <laughs> walking around, and he's like, he's the guy that they look to. Hey Ben, what should we do? What, what are we playing up to? Those kinds of things and that always in, like intrigued me as a kid. Um, so his and, name is Ben, also. Yeah, his name's Ben. My brother's name's Ben, also. <laughs> so it's yeah, Benjamin, Benji, and Ben. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the key things was about using utilizing basketball to bring people together was like a big thing for me, um, and to be able to uh, be respected amongst your peers. Uh, that was another huge thing um, to be like recognized for your hard work, your work ethic, your, you know, your I wouldn't say talent, but I would say uh, your ability to get better and, and to have the respect of your peers. That was huge. Yeah, yeah it's big. Yeah, that was fun. 
What do you see about basketball? Because obviously you're really big into the sport. You're also really big in the community. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of that is taken from just, you know, your, your dad modeling how to involve the yeah. family and community through basketball. But what are some transferable skills and traits because you preach about daily life and daily grind? So what do you take from basketball that you apply to that? Um, just like you said, that daily grind, that, that want to get better. Um, I think that's one of the key things. You know, because when they're in any sport, you can go in there, make mistakes. Uh, you can either give up the sport or you can try to work towards getting better. Um, and with basketball, you know, one of the things like I studied Kobe Bryant for years and years and years, right? Like one questions later on is going to be like, who's your GOAT? This is one of the guys that I really idolized, uh, especially within like just work ethic and mentality, right? Is just constantly working on it and then getting ahead of the competition, Um you know, waking up at I before the whole daily thing, I had an Instagram uh, where I, you know, got almost like a third of my followers that I currently have called Grind 4 a.m. And it was I'd post every single morning at 4 a.m. going to the gym and working out every single day. Um, and my friends will attest to it. They used to see it all the time, get heck mad. They'd be like, what the hell are you doing at 4 a.m., bro? Like, stop waking up at 4 a.m. and posting, bro, because now I got to go, you know. And that was when when I get those messages, it's like this is good. Now I'm making an impact. Now they're seeing it and they're getting a little bit more motivated to get up at maybe 5 a.m., maybe 6 a.m., but they're getting in the gym. Um, and that That's was a, my thing. Just get up and do it, right? That, right. Was, kind of, that was kind of direct from that Mamba mentality, right, of like you know, if you get up at 4 a.m., you get that workout and I saw you saw the I video right? saw one recently. Yeah. Oh, did you post that? Maybe you posted nah, that. No, nah, no, it wasn't me. Yeah. Like you get up at 4 a.m., you get that workout, then you can go home and rest, and you get a 9 a.m. workout, then you get to 12, then you get to 5 and then five years later, like there's no way they can catch up to you because it, those who are just so going far to ahead. work out today, right? You're so yeah. far ahead of the competition. You know, you have a guy that wakes up at eight or nine o'clock. You know, a kid that is trying to be a, a college player or whatever. Uh, they wake up at eight o'clock and they get a couple hours in the eight to ten. Then they go home, sleep, play some video games. In the evening, they get another workout, and they've only got like two, maybe two hour workouts. But if you get that extra workout in over time. You've, you're so far ahead. You're days ahead of them. You know. Um, I'm actually curious how much of how much of that mentality you've picked up, um, you know, from your experience on your own. You know, not playing. You know, in that that big game, you had all your family out. Yeah. Uh, and then also from your family, because you were talking about how your parents you didn't see them because they were working yeah. all the time and having to take care of your brother as well. Do you ever trip? Like, do you ever like? think about that or like really you know analyze like you know how much is like internal and how much is learned from your parents or mixture of both or yeah yeah i mean for me it was more that situation with the game that really ignited everything uh but at the same time it was seeing the work ethic of my parents like constantly working their their butts off like night and day for that check you know that that hourly job uh that was another thing that was for me that like kind of woke me up to looking at other opportunities and just grinding for a specific reason or purpose. Uh, but um, it was mainly that game. Really, that was like, that was it's good. so simple, right? But yeah. it for me, it meant something. Like, damn, man, that, that, that made me mad. Like, what the heck, bro? Like, my, my best friend's dad was the coach. He forgot I was on the team. And I'm, I'm after the game, and I see all my parents, my, my cousins. What, what am I supposed to do at a, uh, like as a little kid? Like, Oh man, yeah. I mean, you know, it was a close yeah. game. <laughs> like, did he, did he ever? Did he ever talk to you, Never. the coach? Never. 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 Do you, are you still friends with his son? I haven't talked to him ever since. 
I mean, I have, I think, afterwards, but we were just like, cool, but... That game you did never it for knew. you, huh? What's that? That game did it for you, like... That, day, that game... F you, man. It was tough. I ain't talking to you yeah, no more. Yeah, yeah, I go lie. It was tough, man. It was tough looking at it. It is. I mean, you have all that, all your support there, and you can't even play one, one Not second? Not even one second. I was the only one out of uh, probably, like, nine people on that bench that didn't play not one minute. Forgot I was there. Uh, but, I mean, we were friends still afterwards. We still talked every so often. Uh, but, yeah, it was just like... That, that's the reason why I didn't play high school ball. Sure. That's the reason why I didn't play college. It affected me that much to where it's like, man, I don't want to do organized basketball. I'm a street baller. Forget that, man. I, I don't want to have to worry about a coach and all this stuff and them giving me PT and all this. And what's crazy is now I have two kids, right? So I have my youngest, who's uh, 11 years old, uh, going to be 11 in September, and my oldest, who's 13. And even with my, or no, he's 14 now. Um, he's a high schooler, and we got him recently into AAU, and He's ran into the same issue where he has a hard time getting PT playing time, and uh, I have PTSD from that dude. Like for real, mm. I'll be on the bed, wow. like on the on the, on the bleachers, and I'll be wow. watching him just sitting there, and I'm just like he don't get in the game at all, and I'd be having PTSD. I've had times where I'm sweating, about to take my hat off, about to just get hella mad, <laughs> just like, like what the hell, man? You want to get some time? So, what kind of lessons do you share with him then, having learned that yourself? Like, yeah, what's your approach now? Um, with that yeah so that's that's a great question man i mean my my whole thing with him is you know i just tell him you know continue to do what you enjoy to do and just understand that you have to work for it too as well you know um and not everybody's gonna see it regardless if you can if you put in the work or not nobody's gonna see it but know that you put in the work and that you deserve you know an opportunity either way you know and that opportunity is going to come as long as you continue to put in the work um, and I guess that's kind of in line with the daily thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is if you constantly put in the work, eventually, you know, whether it be on your own uh, or through somebody else, you're going to have an opportunity that pops up. And once you get that opportunity, you better, you better go grab that. Yeah. And it's all about if you're prepared, too, right? Yeah. If you've been doing yeah. the work, right, in that moment, right? Because nothing's given to you, right? You stay ready. You ain't got to, you know. You know, um, I, I coach my kids and some other kids through AAU, CYO, all of that. There was this one time, one of the parents actually criticized me because I'll I'll empty the entire bench, and I'll lose the game on yeah. purpose. I mean, not on purpose, but I'll lose the game if I have to, just so everyone gets some burn. And this is exactly what I was telling that parent. I'm like, at this age, I really want these kids to grow love for the sport, find themselves, figure themselves out. So I'm going to say on behalf of you, uh, you could edit this later if you want, but shame on that coach for turning you off because really I've seen a lot of a lot of coaches do that and yeah. that's just uh, just takes that one time yeah yeah, yeah. especially yeah. At, that, at that age, that age. <clears throat> yeah. you know, I mean it's not about winning at that age mm-hmm. right it's no. not but I'll, I'll flip it a little just like kudos to you actually to keep like grinding because like for a lot of kids like on the one hand that coach like he might not have even given it a second thought right right because it was a close game or he was coaching to win you know in a tense moment so maybe it just wasn't a thought for him um, but for a lot of kids, that can be deflating, and they may not want to pursue it. So, like, that's where I think the lesson of like stay grinding, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's what I'm taking away from it. You know, that's exactly the yeah. point. Yeah, you know that that's why I do what I do. It's for those kids, you know, or for those individuals that feel like, oh man, like this didn't work out. So, are you you have two options? You're either going to just give in and just give up, or you're going to keep pushing, right? Uh, and that comes with anything: sports, entrepreneurship, whatever. Maybe the maybe this podcast doesn't work out. That's not a big deal. I can still keep pushing, right? Uh, try different avenues and keep working. That's really what it's all about is just constantly continuously pushing on things that you enjoy and you just love to do. What's, what's the point at which um, 
you started really getting deep maybe like maybe just walk us through how you started getting into organizing some of these like events right yeah. um because you didn't play you know high school ball you mentioned college neither necessarily yeah. yeah so like what, what was the bridge for you to start start doing that like was there someone you met specifically or um it was just people i met throughout the basketball community um so doing leagues uh pickup games street ball all that stuff um, you know, over time, and um, this goes back to like where you see the journey, like from getting from point A to point B, um, from not getting any burn on the court to going to you know parks and all those kinds of things and being recognized when you get there and saying, "Oh, and dude, hey, somebody got to guard this guy," or even to the point where sometimes you go to a park and you're checking the ball up and nobody wants to guard you, right? It just that that's like a wake up call, like, "Oh, okay, this is cool," right? Um, and this having that respect, but then also at the same time you know having respect for others as well and still being that cool dude like not taking it you know not being like uh above yourself and being like oh you know what like i'm the best on the court this and that you know woo, woo, woo. no but you know just enjoying the moment with with the people that are on the court with you and bringing people together regardless um that was like the main thing for me and you know when you do that kind of kinds of things you start to meet people um you start to get exposure in that sense and the cool thing about social media is I was never afraid to like take a video of it. Like way back in the day before YouTubers and all this stuff, I was already recording videos over in Sunnyvale, Saratoga, 24 hour fitness gym. Uh, shout out to everybody out there, right? Nice. Uh, I used to have my little phone in the corner and I used to record stuff all the time. Um, and from there it kind of grew and then social media took, took hold, start continuously posting that kind of stuff and posting highlights, this and that. And then that's when you got, uh, I got noticed by uh, a couple different, you know, brands here and there, which was cool. I started my own brand. Um, and then I got like uh, three years ago, that's when I met Kenny Dobbs and, um, he came to me with that, you know, with that opportunity for a ball life. And I was like, dude, that's crazy because five, six years ago, seven years ago, I'm watching ball life, you know, on YouTube and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Uh, and now just randomly he hits me up and via DM like, Hey bro, can you help us with a run out in there in the Bay? We know you're the guy to talk to this and that is what people are saying. You know, and I'm like, Oh shoot. Well, hell yeah. Like, of course I'm gonna go, go, go with it. And they just kind of blew everything else up. Yeah, out the water. So, yeah, that's dope, man. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Kenny play that first game? He didn't. He was he was there organizing it, uh, but no, he didn't play that game. Nah, he was. It was mainly the other guys too, because Kenny's around the same age as me, uh, the same age group as us. Like in the, he's like in that late forties. Uh, uh, sorry, late thirties. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We wait for late thirties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. late forties, man. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll claim late thirties. <laughs> but I, I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I'll can take you, the compliment. Yeah. Can you talk about the the other side of, of that though? The other side of uh, of of daily B ball. You know, because you mentioned we've talked about basketball. Yeah. What's the entrepreneurship side of that? Um. So. Again, same thing with social media, right? Uh, it's such a great opportunity uh, to just kind of build your own brand. Um, and the thing I found out with social media and through basketball was that utilizing those kinds of you know, marketing tools, you could build your own brand. So the first thing I started was a brand called um, Hoop Crate. Um, my friends will attest to this. Uh, we would, you know, basically it was a subscription box for basketball players. So essentially you purchase a box online. Every single month you get sent some. It can have a T-shirt on it with a piece of basketball equipment and some, like, stickers and stuff like that. 
Um, so it was basically modeled off for, off of a company called Loot Crate. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, mm-hmm. uh, which was a gaming subscription box company. So we named it Hoop Crate. Um, we had that running for a bit. And the cool thing about that was we would have our own basketball teams represent the brand, which would help with the marketing. We post videos of it. Um, the name's out there. People are yelling in the stands as we're hitting shots like Hoop Crate, you know. So that's, again, marketing additional on top of that. Um, and that opened my eyes to utilizing basketball as a marketing opportunity. Uh, so that brand did well. It did okay. I had you know some influencers, some early influencers that adopted it, some sneaker reviewers like Nightwing2303 posted on their video uh, channel. Um, that's my boy. known him for years. Um, you know, he posted there and I saw it blow up. Um, and then, you know, that kind of faded away a little bit because subscription boxes started going out the way. And then I looked at myself and, you know, I, I said, you know, what do I do? What, what, what's something that can help uplift and impact the communities? Um, and what type of a message are we trying to put out there? And I don't know if somebody said it or what it was, but I know I wanted to kind of not really trademark a word, but I wanted to own a word. And the word was daily for some reason. It came up. I don't know what it was, but it was just daily because I worked out every single day. and People were tripping out like, dude, why do you do this daily, man? Why do you do So I'm like, you know what? I do this daily. Okay. That's a great motto. I do this daily. So now we come up with the I do this daily brand. And you start putting it out there. Again, went through the whole same thing. Same model. Okay, let's make a team daily. You know, let's go to basketball. Da, 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 so forth. And uh, we started going to little, uh, you know, little... Uh, you know, little, uh, those pop-ups, because we had the pop-ups, they were going crazy during that time. I think it was like mid to end of COVID was when they were starting doing all these pop-up markets, mm-hmm. started promoting it there, started doing the basketball teams when they started coming back, and it just started taking hold. Um, and I started to hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, this is cool, man. Like, you know, it didn't have to do with basketball. It could be anything. It could be sneakers. It could be, uh, and when I realized that, I realized like, oh, this is actually a wide market and a wide uh, general audience that really wants this type of a message like if i really want something if i you know i'm motivated and i constantly am working on it daily then i can i can achieve it so it really took hold and that's pretty much where i got it and then i really i was playing basketball all the time so i'm like oh yeah let me make an instagram daily be baller <laughs> so yeah. that, that'll work out too and that'll help promote the brand so yeah that's pretty much where the 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 entrepreneurship side came from um as far as how i got into entrepreneurship in the first place mm-hmm. I couldn't stand having a boss. I hated it. <laughs> hated it. Is that from your, your sales days? Sales days. Yep. Guys, you know, you're, you're in there. You're working your butt off. Your Black Fridays were crazy back in the day in Milpitas and Great Mall. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Great Mall and Milpitas. This is when you're at Verizon. Yeah. We're this is when I'm right? at Verizon. Yeah. I've, you know, from when you know we opened up in Great Mall, I opened up stores there. Black Friday, we're working 22 hours. Damn. 22 hours Is that straight. legal? Yeah, I know. Pro- no, I got I got a settlement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a check afterwards. Yeah. So it should have been double time. It should have been double time. They weren't paying you like yeah. double time. Right. After I quit, they, I got a check. They're like, hey, you know what? Just type your name in, this and that. And I got a couple grand. <laughs> they're like, hey. They're know? trying to avoid the class action suit is what's going That's on what there. That's what they're trying to do, man. But it was crazy because at Great Mall, right, they would actually, uh, they would actually bring Red Bull would come during Black Fridays and give us boxes of Red Bull. So Just that keep might you guys another, going. Uh, yeah, that might be another lawsuit coming. <laughs> but that's also good marketing. Right, yeah, good marketing, right? Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it came for, it stemmed from that. Like, you'd work those type of hours as a manager at the stores, and you're working there. I've worked there, for, uh, you know, I had worked there for years, and just having a boss on top of you, always on your case, 
Uh, I'm taking phone calls and meetings at home, uh, taking time away from my family, my kids. After I've worked already a 10 to 12 hour shift, mm-hmm. um, and they're asking about inventory, got to go there early in the morning, do this, do that, you know, work schedules, all that. Over time, that kind of you know drags on you a little bit, and I'm sure everybody could attest to this when you have when you're working for somebody. And then I heard this. Uh, I used to listen to like YouTube all the time. Um, and listen to like motivational speakers and i heard this one guy say you can either work towards your dream or you can work towards somebody else's mm-hmm. uh, when you're working for somebody else you're working towards their dream you know um, and that like really rung true to me and i'm like dude why am i gonna sit here and get paid you know 20 30 40 dollars an hour um and work towards their dream when i can possibly do a little bit better than that and do it my own way and the things that i enjoy doing um, and i thought about that actually it was eight o'clock in the morning in Great Mall, at the store that I managed, that I opened myself, sitting there, scanning every single accessory in the store, you know, um, and having to do that, and then have my staff come in for an hour-long meeting, so I had to have a presentation prepared, ready for that, then have to go into another eight-hour day and work that, and then a meeting afterwards to explain, you know, how we did for the day. <laughs> you know? yeah. You're bringing us back to high school yeah. right now. <laughs> Exactly. Right. It's a grind. Yeah. yeah, it's a grind, right? And I think during that time period, that was what everybody was used to, those types of jobs. Um, and I, I equate it now, like when kids ask me those questions, like, why'd you start your own business and that? I, I tell them, you know what? Think about it this way, man. You're working one hour, they pay you hopefully maybe 20 bucks. That's freaking one meal at habit. <laughs> like, you today, know what I mean? Today, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, right? Exactly. So With it's no like, bacon. Yeah, no bacon. No, no bacon. Yeah, you can't. No, yeah, no yeah. Uh, the condiments may be unlimited, but you gotta get that the bacon, the extra, you know, the extra stuff on there. It's tough, man. It's hard out there. And, you know, that's that's your whole hour is worth that little burger right there, bro. Like that's so you have a choice. You're okay with that, which some people are okay with that. That's fine. You know, work that. But for me, and then in addition to having to work under somebody else, I can't do it. I told my wife straight up, like I, I got a job at Costco during uh, in December, and. uh the lady there, I told her that I had to coach my kids because I coached two AAU. And I told her Monday, Wednesday, as I coach, get the job. Everything's cool. Everything seems fine for that week. Tell her, hey, she's, she sends me my schedule and she said, hey, you can't work these days. Uh, you got to work these days because I need you for these hours. And I said, you know, I told you that I have to coach my kids. Ah, that's not going to work for us. It's the holidays. Mm. Oh, I'm out. Didn't even tell her. <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah. I went home Good on my you, wife. man. Yeah, man. I told my wife, I said, hey, yo, I can't do this. I'm sorry. It's just it's not in my blood no more. Um, so from there, I started my Team Daily Athletic Training Program. Um, you know, started pushing harder with my clothing brand. Um, and now I'm, I'm good, man. I got three trainers underneath me out there in Tracy Mountain House location, uh, working out of parks. Um, hopefully going to have our own facility within the next 90, 90 days. Um, so congrats, congrats. Yeah, congrats. yeah, yeah. It's only been three months, three four months that I've I've been able to do it. But living check to check, man. I was getting help wherever I could get help, and now it's like I feel comfortable now. So yeah. Um, yeah. shout out to your wife too, though, bro. Yeah, for, yeah. you know, Support being supportive and hundred percent. Then you pursue your dream like that, right? Hundred percent. Not a lot of people have that type of support system and trust, right? And obviously, it's not going to be you know roses the whole way through. But you know, she, you know, I told her i just believe just un- just trust me like you've seen some of the stuff i've done uh you know when i was working at verizon and and you know you know making the hundred the six figures for that you know for that for that for that job but you know that was doing somebody else's work right. imagine where we can right. take it with that same type of work ethic with this right. yeah so right. yeah yeah that's cool man yeah. so we got a 
you touched on this earlier because you mentioned Kobe Bryant, and um, we put this question on there because I really think the answer is revealing of a person. Right. So could you speak to why Kobe is your GOAT? For me, Kobe is the GOAT. I mean, a lot of people, there's obviously like controversy around that question always constantly throughout basketball, right? For me, the reason why Kobe's a GOAT, in my opinion, is because of not just the basketball side, but what he did outside of basketball as far as motivating people, uh, building a different type of mentality. There's other, I mean, every athlete has that type of mentality to an extent, but there was only one person that I know that really explained it and utilized it to help motivate other people's. Uh, were with this, you know, with this whole the Mamba uh, organization and so forth, uh, and then all the videos and interviews that he did, uh, just constantly talking about constantly over and over, uh, just really trying to instill that in, in impact communities, utilizing that mentality. That's to me the reason why he's the goat. Mm-hmm. What he did on the court was great. Uh, I feel like he was just, you know, I wouldn't even say he's like an upgraded version of MJ. I would say he's almost a, a clone, a copy to a certain extent, right? Uh, but you take what he did off the court and the types of things that plans that he had and the type of impact he had with other athletes in that same profession. And just, they're like, damn, this is crazy. This guy is freaking psycho. Like, like stories that, you know, the Olympics when he was over there, Mm -hmm. you know, some of those athletes that are top athletes in their, in their different types of categories, right? Track runners, swimmers, and they see the type of work ethic Kobe has and how much of an impact it had on them. It's just insane. And that's the type of impact I would like to have to some extent, you know, with the community that I get to impact um, is to be able to do what he did for me personally and other athletes, too. It's just like, can we instill this in, in, in our communities? Because imagine if we can instill this in our communities, the type of impact we'll have on these kids when they get older and they want to do things. You know, so that's why he's the GOAT, in my opinion. It's just the impact he had uh, with a wide variety of communities. Yeah. yeah. Right on. See, that was that's exactly why I said it would be revealing because if you had started off by answering that question saying, well, you know, that two-step shimmy fadeaway, right? <laughs> yeah. I like to talk about yeah. all of his, you know, activities and accolades off the court, I think really, again, speaks to who you are and what you're doing right now. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about how you try, like how do you instill that or how do you um, – utilize that type of mentality in your daily training with kids for example yeah. um like you know, what do you take from that that you try to bring in to your your programs yeah um i mean so we've been doing the programs for about three months now with a lot of these kids but you know as far as working with kids it's been um you know i've been doing it for years right uh, and one of the ways that i utilize that is you know, just talking to him first, because one of the things that Kobe talked about was he, how he fell in love with the game first. Mm-hmm. He fell in love with the smell of the basketball, the sound of the basketball dribbling on the floor, um, you know, the lights, all that kind of stuff. Um, allowing our kids to fall in love with the game first, I think that's the most important thing. Um, a lot of coaches and trainers that I've seen before in the past, they're so hard on the kids to make sure that they're doing the right things. Doing the shimmy the right way, right? Taking that step the right way. Uh, if you're not doing it right, you know, do it again. Do it again. Oh, go on the – hit the line, baseline, go run, you know. There's a lot of these kids out there that don't really, um, you know, respond to that very well. But they're kids that have a lot of potential. Um, so the first thing I do with my training program is first off is I don't take it that serious, you know. I take it serious to an extent and I let them know, hey, if you want to get better, you got to work on your stuff, Right. Um, but at the same time, having fun with them and having that type of energy with them, like joking around with them, laughing, you know, getting excited when they can just barely get to the rim, 
It's like, hey, you remember that two shots before you barely, you barely got to the net? Oh, look, you got stronger in a couple shots and getting excited for them. You see some of these kids' faces light up so much um, that it's, it's like, okay, now we're they see the progress and, you know, they're getting excited. And the great thing about that is not only do we get a great reaction from the kids, we get a great reaction from the parents, too, because uh, they're like, they don't, they don't see that very often, you know. Um, a lot of times, and there's some coaches and trainers out there that maybe focus more on the results uh, versus just getting the kids excited about the game of basketball. Get them excited about achieving. Get them excited about being able to even work on certain things. You, on that note, do you feel like the love of basketball, the love of the game, is something that's inherent, or do you feel like it's something that can be taught? It can be taught. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. The love for anything can be taught. It's just the way it's being uh, taught, I guess you could say. How does the teacher teaching it, mm-hmm. right? Um, because, like we said earlier, if I was on that bench, right, for a whole ass game, right, uh, and looking at the basketball court like, and then not getting no burn, and then my friend comes and tells me like, "Hey, bro, like my bad, my dad forgot you was on the court." I could have took that moment and said, "I'm done with basketball." Like, I don't, and I don't even know what I would have done. <laughs> like, basketball is so much of a deep part of me now, but you know, there's a lot of just to, just to speak to that. It's like a lot of these kids they could get discouraged from anything and just say, "You know what? I don't want to do this no more." Because the person that I looked up to, the mentor I had just really ruined it for me mm-hmm. um so that yeah it, it can be taught it can be taught 100 percent. you know love for anything can be taught um as long as it's taught the right way i think there's an aspect of like your love for it that you know carries over to them though right like yeah. a, a lot of leaders generally they share their love and passion for it's passion right your passion yeah. for something that you know you can feel that right and maybe you know and, and i think probably kids pick that up yeah yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. i think that that's the that's the that's the key for any teacher right like if you're like cutting hair and stuff and you have a kid that wants to learn how to cut hair you know just showing that conversation with that client um you know that's a great way the kid's gonna see that and just be like oh man that's cool like they they didn't know each other before and now they like best friends all of a sudden just from a couple clips you know i mean that's yeah. cool so I, I think that builds that develops that love uh that that next generation can have for some, at least they can even take that and say, I can take that same passion and I could put that towards something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, coaching your kids, do you coach them differently from the way you coach the other kids? Cause I'll tell you for myself. Yeah. My, my two older boys, I coach them way different than I I coach the other kids, you know? So I'm curious, how do you do it? Um, I coach them. Obviously I coach them more cause they're with me. Um, my youngest, so my oldest, I, I used to coach uh, a little bit harder because he was. I was like, you know, it's my oldest, right? I don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm trying to, like, tell him I'm doing the same thing. You're doing the shimmy wrong, right? <laughs> like, what the hell, bro? Like, take that step. What's wrong with you, right? So, and that's where I learned that, dude, because it's like um, he, fell, he fell out of love with the game because I was so hard on him. I did that to mine. Yeah? See, exactly. For, for a little bit. I mean, they, they still play, but. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, I, I they, just, yeah, I discouraged yeah. them. Yeah. Did, you tell, did you tell you that, or you, or you can see it? You yeah. can see it. You can see it, man. On their, they're just the way that they like, they approached it. They're just like scared. He's like scared to like make mistakes, right? Because I'm on his case all the time, right? And and my friends will tell you I can be a little overbearing when it comes to basketball in certain aspects, um, but. You know, for my youngest, that's when I, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to let him fall in love with it first and just let him enjoy. And he's rolling 
deep. He's excited about it. He's 2 k in it out. He's talking trash to the other kids on the court, you know, his teammates, you know, he's he's doing all that stuff, man. He's he knows about cap room and all this. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, bro? Like, what do you mean this yeah, cap space? Building out as my good. player. Yeah, he's building out as my player. He's like, if they trade him and him and they can afford him, I'm like, what the hell? All right, GM, what are you talking about, bro? Like uh so I never knew any of that aspect of it. But him, he's he's just in love with the game and you know, that signal to me like okay this is what i need to do when i train other kids is just let them fall in love with it first i have to ask then so is uh is he a warriors fan or is he a lakers fan oh, giving War- oh man yeah man yeah okay, warriors good. fan i want to you might want to edit that out just in case he watches just for you asking that question you might get mad okay, yeah yeah let's cut <laughs> let's cut this <laughs> so, nice. well, go ahead. how long before you realized that you needed a change uh coaching your coaching style because it took me a minute yeah. before I decided, like, I need to back off, right? How, how long did it take for you? Um, it took me probably, to be honest, up until he quit. Like, he just decided not, oh, he didn't he want to do it He no quit more. all the way. Yeah, he didn't even want to play no more. Yeah, he was done. He was just done with basketball, period. And it was during COVID, too. Um, he was in fifth grade. Uh, and he actually made the sixth grade team. And then he went through, and then COVID happened, so they stopped the season. And I wanted to keep him going, but he didn't want to do it no more. He was done. Wow. Yeah. So he actually got discouraged too through like the you know the the playing sure. basketball that kind of thing too. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Once he he was done, uh, he recently like I said he recently played, but he didn't get the same type of burn and all that stuff. He didn't get a chance to play. He didn't really wasn't really into like training and practicing. Um, but yeah. So that that's pretty much that. He might come back to it. You know, and, and he plays actually in the basketball leagues with me at 14 years old. I have him come with me to the games. I'm like, you got to play with our team. Um, and he gets bullied on the court all the time. Like they, when they see him guarding somebody, oh, they see blood, man. They're just like, oh yeah, give it to him. <laughs> mouse in the house. Yeah, ma- exactly. Mouse in the house. Get to yeah, go at the little guy yeah. all day, man. So uh, it's a learning experience for him. Um, but I told him, I said, you got to, you got to come with me. You have to do something like. Um, I don't care what it is, but you're, yeah, you want to be a YouTuber. I get it because he wants to be like, do the streaming and all that stuff. But I'm like, you got to do something active, bro. So you got to come with me. Let's get this work. Yeah. So that, that's a pretty big lesson as a father with a kid who, you know, maybe isn't as passionate, yeah. um, but or has a passion somewhere else maybe that they're trying to explore. What, um, what other challenges or experiences with other kids have you, have you seen or any good stories around that where, you know, maybe a kid wasn't as passionate and then you were able to get them in, engaged in it? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll even tell a story where I couldn't get them to be passionate about it, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, I had a kid that I trained recently, this is before I did the group training, and this is where, you know, a parent was really adamant about making them better. Mm-hmm. I went through every avenue I could, doing all the drills. I mean, they're paying me to, to make this kid better, right. going through all the drills, but every single session, he's just not there. He's looking around, seeing the neighborhood kids walking around, worried about what they're thinking. You know, his friends will come up from school and he gets distracted and is like, you know, so self-conscious. Um, and he's around the same age as my oldest. Uh, but, you know, he completely fell off. And it got to the point where we're in this three, four, five months down the road doing trainings. And I start feeling bad about even charging uh, to have to do this training. Uh, and we ended up having to just, I told him straight up, like, I can't do it. Like, he's just not, he's not into it, you know. Um, so as a parent, I think it's important to understand when your kid, you know, doesn't really have a passion for this this thing. Um, and, you know, you can only push so much. 
Um, so that's one story about where a kid just didn't have that passion. Did you have the conversation also with a parent too? Yeah, 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 we did. We had a hard conversation and she really, you know, that parent really wanted to continue. They really wanted to push. I mean, they're talking about two days. They're even talking about three days and having in personal training and all that stuff. But when I get there with the kid, he's not passionate. I'm having conversations with this kid. I'm taking time even after practice to take him out. Hey, let's go sit down real quick. Hey, you know, what, what, you know, what, what is it? You know, what's, what's the thing? What's the deal? How come you don't seem so passionate about it? I want you to, you know, here's, here's a couple of things I want you to do. When you have your friends walking by the court, I just don't want you to even look at them, this and that, you know. Um, and even to the point where I brought some of those kids into the sessions to try and make them feel more comfortable. But it, there gets a point where as a coach or a trainer, when you, you say, you know what, this just isn't working out. And maybe there's some other passion that he wants to pursue. Like, let him do it. Like, mm-hmm. But that's not your job at the same time. It's yeah. the parent's job to, like, figure that out. Um, so um, we ended up, you know, for that specific situation, we ended up, you know, having him do personal training because, you know, for whatever reason and just having really, you know, just ended there for the most part. Um, but you know, even with the kids in our training programs, there are kids in there that are being pushed, you know, by their parents to get in there. And there are some kids that uh, I had one kid that came in and he was crying a storm, didn't want to be there at all. Uh, but you know, through different games and different you know ways of talking to them and you know giving them attention uh, in a certain sense and just you know uh, kind of uh, motivating them, I guess you could say in a way, um, you would see them open up a little bit. Letting a kid like I had one kid uh, that. He was crying when he got there, sobbing, like did not want to be there. So hey, sit down, just watch us, just watch us for a minute, man. You don't gotta, you don't gotta interact, you don't gotta jump in, you don't gotta do another drills. Just come in and just watch, you know. And you know, when he'd get up, sit back down, you know, get up, grab a basketball, sit back down. You ready to come in? No. Twenty minutes later, he gets gets in the line and is laughing and having a ball. You know, you got to give these kids an opportunity. Um, I think just let them, you know, go at their own pace. Yes, you want to push them, but at the same time, you still want to, again, just let them fall in love with them, give them a chance to, like, you know, ease their way in, you know. Um, could have been one thing, like, hey, this kid didn't want to join, you know, like, you know, what, what, is, what are we doing here? What's going on? No, just let the kid come in at his own pace, yeah. When did you start your training program? Um, so I've been training kids for about uh, six to seven months. The actual program where we have, like, group trainings, it's been only about three months since we actually started the program itself. Um, if you would have asked me eight, nine months ago, which people have asked me, like, hey, can you, you, are you interested in being a coach, this and that, I would have t- or a trainer, I'd be like, no, hell no, I ain't trying to train kids. I just try to play. I'm just a hooper, man. I don't know how to co- take what I'm doing to teach them. Yeah. Uh, but um, eventually after coaching my kids' AAU team and being kind of thrown into that situation, uh, which was crazy in itself, uh, but after doing that, I started building confidence because even as a basketball player myself, the main thing for me wasn't like I don't want to do it. It was more like I don't know. Do I have anything to give these kids? Like I can play basketball, but do I have any knowledge really to give to them? And do I, am I going to know how to actually relay that to these kids and have them really learn from it? That was the main thing for me was a confidence thing. Um, and that's just the honest truth of that. Where would like, you pick up a lot of your drills from? Um, I got it from like YouTube and then learning from other coaches. Um, like actually going to practices. I'd go to some practices within our AU organization and watch them do what they do. Um, that was the main thing. And took yeah. bits and pieces and created your own. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I had assistant coaches with me too. I was supposed to, so when I first started coaching, I was supposed to be an assistant coach. And they asked me, and I was like, yeah, I guess I could do assistant coach. They're like, yeah, we'll give you half off your kid. Oh, for sure, I could be assistant coach. Like, yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about? $250 off the program? I'm in. Uh, and then the, the head coach of that program had some situations constantly, and they were never there. So they had another coach come in. 
but he already had co- is coaching another team. And then just uh, they're like, you know, what, can you just head coach the team? And I'm like, my son's on the team. He's having a good time. I'm like, how can I say no? So I just end up going through and doing it. Um, and actually the group, like actually the individual trainings that I did, because I was group training I did three months ago, but I'd been training one-on-ones. I would just practice and then uh, do different drills with that kid that I'm doing the individual training with. And then I take that into the AU and then try to mm-hmm. turn it into a group group training. So I kind of took the things that I learned building different brands and I took that into coaching. Yeah. yeah. Could you could you speak about AAU as a whole? Like what do you think about AAU? Is it good for kids? Is it helping them? What do you think about the future of AAU? Okay. All right, we're going deep, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a problem now. Uh now AAU A is good. I think it's good, but uh one thing that I know that a lot of people have spoken to is that AAU is not for the new basketball player it shouldn't be the first thing like if a kid has never played organized basketball before they should not play AU. period 100 percent should not just jump into it you gotta baby step it you gotta baby step it exactly it's too There's, competitive it's way too competitive and just the environment can be toxic as heck mm-hmm. like we've seen the most just in my first year of coaching aau i've seen the most toxic behavior from parents from players and from referees like huge so if you're a new kid that if you're you're a parent of a kid that has never played organized basketball. I'll reiterate, say it one more time: Do not put your kid in AAU. Do not. Right? Yeah, put them in. Put them in CYO. Put them CYO. in school system. Put them in the boys and girls club. Get them used to it. Get them. You know, boys and girls club is great because it's even burn. It's even time. Mm-hmm. Uh, park and rec. Yeah. Exactly. Park and rec. All that stuff. But don't put them into AAU until they get really, their feet wet first. Exactly. Or have them come to some of your your program. Come to team daily training. Come to team daily training first. <laughs> Tracy and Mount out there. Get you ready for AAU. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is true. That's what we do. Like we tell the kids. Like, like, hey, if you want to join the team, this is the mentality we're trying to help build. Um, but at the same time, we're still trying to have fun, right? But, yeah, with the AAU thing, I mean, I think personally with AAU, and and, and you probably attested this if you guys, you know, coach and have kids in there, is that AAU needs to do better, uh, in my opinion. As 100%. As, yeah, they need to do way better. And they've been having the same problems from what I hear for years and years and years. In, in what ways? Just in... I mean, the way that they have kids categorized as, as far as age groups and the and culture, it, it's, the it's, culture it's bad. Yeah, really, really bad. I think that uh, there needs to be more official, you know, um, type, you know, intervention for certain things when it comes to AAU tournaments. Um, leadership. The leadership is just non-existent yeah. when it comes to AAU basketball completely. Like there should be directors in each you know, community uh, that are assigned to each AAU tournament. And there should be national tournaments, each one where they check ages and check birth. They're motivated, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all about the dollars. All about the money. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would say they, they personally need to be accountable for when they're, they're holding those tournaments. There needs to be someone that's running it, and you can easily identify who that is, you know, exactly. for, for parents too. I mean, and I would also say um, AAU just needs better – better management within the programs themselves. They need more coaches like you, yeah. you know, coaches that know their representation again and um, people who know what it's like to build from the ground up because, I mean, just from my experience, and I, and I won't qualify this for everyone's because that's overgeneralizing, but there are just some AAU programs, you know, because there's pocket programs, right? There's some AAU programs and you can just feel like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just paying to be here, you know, and, and that sucks for the kids. 100%. Yeah. There's a lot, and they pay a lot too. Yeah, I'm not gonna name names, no. but <laughs> I haven't been in the business that long. But I know there's a lot of programs that be charging crazy money for absolutely no reason other than the name. 
Um, and it's crazy. And, and we talk about it all the time. And, you know, you know, within my own community, uh, there's AU programs popping up. And I people hit me up and they're like, hey, did you see this new AU program that's popping up? I'm like, that AU money smells real good. You know, <laughs> are you doing it for the right reasons? That's the question. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these programs, like you said, aren't really doing it for the right reasons. They're, you know, charging twelve, fifteen hundred dollars for to get on the team, but they're also charging four hundred dollars just to try out. Yeah. You don't even know if you're gonna make the team, but you're paying three, four hundred bucks just to try out. That's crazy. And another uh, maybe four, or five hundred for the uniform. Got my uniform. Yeah. Parents got to pay for travel. Got to pay oh, for, yep. the, for yeah, the, the tournament travel. fees. Yeah. You know, you got you got a family of four, twenty dollars a person. That's eighty bucks a tournament, man. And you got two tournaments for some of these AU programs. I mean, you know, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. I'm not a director for a program or nothing like that. I'm just a coach, right? But at the same time, I can understand that I'm from a parent standpoint um, that it's just crazy. And I understand there's some programs that are more prolific than others and they're more up there and, and all that stuff. I get it. There's more, uh, uh, you know, the name and all that stuff. And it gives your kids an opportunity to have more looks and that kind of thing. But at the same time, man, it's, it's just crazy to me how much some of these places charge for right. a two-month you know, two to three months stint in the AU. So yeah. you got to pay to watch your kid play. That's crazy, <laughs> man. Yeah. Imagine my parents paid to watch me play and I didn't play one minute. <laughs> right. My parents would be mad. They're Filipino. They'd be like, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Where's my refund? Yeah, what are you doing? Where's my refund, man? Oh, no, yeah. I, think he, I, I think you would have been cussing out your coach. Yeah, I, I probably would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably would have been mad. Yeah, they mad. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, as a coach, we've experienced that. I've experienced that too. Mm-hmm. Same thing when it comes to like parents getting upset. Right. Yeah, because they pay to go. They're paying gas. They're paying all this stuff. It's crazy. So, yeah, that's a that's it's a that's a deep subject in it, within itself. There's so many things within the AU program. We've done. I've dealt with racism within the AU community. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. it's crazy. Um, I never thought, and I, I've heard stories, but I never thought that I'd experience it myself with my team. We were in a, a tournament over in uh, Nevada, and I made a big deal out of it too, utilizing my social media following. Um, we were in tournament in uh, in Reno, actually. Uh, Reno, they had like a national tournament. We went out there, um, and you know, there's a certain culture of teams in that group, and that's fine, whatever. We're you know, we had we had parents saying that they're the Brown team from Tracy. We had kids on the court calling a couple of our kids certain names. Uh, one called Dark Monkey type situation, I'm, and I'm like, I have to have a conversation with this ten year old that mm. that's not okay. And this 10 year old telling me, that's fine. Like, I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, I just ignored it. That's crazy. A 10 years old. The first time you got to hear that, and second, that I got to explain it to you as a coach. Like, I have to have that conversation. And, you know, at our, at our hotel, like, hey, don't worry about it. Just, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, you know, accountability for the programs. There was no accountability after I reached out to the uh, program, the tournament directors and AU. I tagged AU in it and all that stuff. There was just no accountability. No follow up, no response at all. No, no response, response. Uh, from the and I, I tagged the team and everything. You know, I think I might have got a response from possibly the tournament director, but nothing crazy like, oh, they really care. They really care about this. No, it was nothing, man. It was just this is what it is, and this is what the the culture is about, or this is what a part of the culture that you just got to deal with. Yeah, uh, it's going to get worse when you get to high school. You get, it's going to get worse when you get to college and up in, into the higher you know levels of basketball. It's going to get worse. So they better learn to deal with it now. Like, oh, well, I don't know, man. We still got to have that. Not at that age, man. Not at Especially that age. not at 10 and 11. Yeah. Nine and 10-year-olds are, I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's a little different. You got to groom it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. age, yeah. To not do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you can tell like and it'll just build. If your kids and your team are doing it, then what are the coaches really about, right? Right. You know, what are, what are the directors really? Are they really like helping these kids grow as human beings, or like if it's yeah. okay for your kid to say those kinds of things, like then you know, as a coach, you got to be held accountable mm-hmm. too. Yep. Like, but just kind of curious, given your experience coaching, given your experience training kids, prepping them for AAU, and then also not being part of organized ball yourself. Have you ever considered getting involved in, as a director, maybe in AAU to kind of change, you know, the way it's run? Is that something that's on the horizon for you? We're uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, in terms of the second half. But yeah, <laughs> curious. No, no, no. I, I, I don't. As of right now, because uh, my tournament director might be listening to this. No, my age right now. No, I, I have no plans in doing that. Yeah, I, I enjoy training the kids, but just from those experiences in itself, you know, I kind of like to leave the politics to the people that are willing to deal with the politics. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of enjoy training the kids, uh, seeing them grow. Um, I've been with my current AAU team uh, for about a little over a year now. Um, and the person that's running it, he's doing it for the right reasons. Um, he has a nonprofit. Um, he doesn't charge, you know, twelve, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 per kid, does free tryouts. Um, you know, he doesn't even like to turn away kids that really want to learn the game of basketball. He has his own training program outside. So if you don't make the team, you can come to the training program mm-hmm. and, and learn and get better. Do you want so, to shout them out? And- yeah, shout out to Coach Archie, man. Yeah, Tracy Spartans. Yeah, yeah. shout out to them, man. The whole organization, all the coaching staff, doing it for the right reasons. Um, you know, and, and they've taught me a lot. Yeah, that's what's up. Taught me a huge amount. Great community of, of teams. And I want to say as of right now, they're the biggest uh, program out in, you know, the Tracy area, Tracy Mountain House area. Uh, well-respected, and, and they're doing a good a good thing, for sure. How, how does that area compare to, um, like, the area you grew up in, like, in terms of, I don't know, if you were to compare, like, is there a similar or different? Yeah. Like Tracy to, to Sunnyvale, like the Bay yeah. Area? Um, it's, it's slower-paced, for sure. Uh, anybody that moves from the Bay that goes to Tracy or Mountain House, they're going to say it's slow-paced. Uh, you know, in, in, in the Bay Area, regardless if it's Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, uh, San Jose, you know, there's a lot more stuff going on. Um, you, you know, parties, clubs, all that stuff, and just a lot more activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Tracy, it's like you can pick and choose like what you want to do. <laughs> you know, like either you're going to be somebody that's just working all the time and commuting, uh, or you're going to be somebody that's uh, staying there and doing entrepreneurship type stuff. That's one thing I, that's crazy about Tracy is like in that area is like there's so many entrepreneurs there, it's like real estate agents. There's people that are just like doing social media type stuff um it's a cool little spot for sure i, I think you, i think uh launchpad's referring to hoops though right i, I was which is a good, I, which i appreciate but which also, is a good question yeah. uh like i assume you've played all around the bay area yeah like yeah. Can, can you uh can you identify actual play styles by city yeah like can you identify like when you go play in vallejo as a certain type when you go play in the city as a certain type you play in san jose there's a certain type of ball like how do you differentiate the type of ballers you kind you kind of find around the Bay Area? Bay Area is a lot more talent, definitely uh, a lot more competitiveness. Um, shout out to my Tracy ballers, though, right? Uh, you know, as as far as Tracy itself, it's a very small community, uh, so the play style is very similar. You'll have some guys that are very competitive, select few, uh, but then you have some guys that are just just to get just get run but if you go to the bay area you have a lot of people with chips on their shoulders a lot of people that are you know trying to be super super duper competitive right that are trying to go somewhere too as well mm-hmm. uh, and i think that that plays into the fact that when you have a small market like tracy mountain house um and those types of areas 
they don't really see anything coming from basketball. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of like, hey, yeah, you're gonna get looks, opportunities, from, uh, opportunities, yeah. you know, from scouts and this kind of thing to you know at your college games. You know, you got to go to Oakland in order to go to a pro run to get looks. Um, whereas if you're in Oakland, you just go down the street to the to the to the pro run. Um, there's nothing like that in Tracy, right. and that's something that we've wanted to bring. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when it comes to basketball, there's just a huge gap as far as you know that kind of uh, mentality um, and even skill set too. Uh, there's just so many skilled pay- players in the Bay Area. Whereas with a small market like Tracy, there's maybe like you can name them almost like sure. four or five kids that are like, oh man, these guys are going to be good. Whereas you go to the Bay and you go to 24 Hour Fitness, you're going to see dudes like doing some crazy stuff. Right. Um, so it, definitely, definitely a difference between the two. Um, and I think it's it's more of a mentality thing more than anything else. Um, people in Tracy, they love sports, but they don't take it that serious. Yeah. It could be access too, though. Right. It's the opportunity. Right. And just- well, we, I, I took it for granted, but growing up in the city, you think about it, all of us, right? We, we had play every night. We play yeah. everywhere. And different, you know, you'd yeah. go to Glen Park, you'd go to Ocean View, yeah. you'd go to... St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Gellert. And, and you just had access to all these gyms. <laughs> so that, that was uh, my next question, kind of tying it to this, is like, uh, if you think back, uh, back, you know, when, when you're playing in high school and you're cutting class, playing hoops. You were cutting class. You were all cut class. <laughs> what, what were um for those who did cut class? For those yeah, yeah. who did cut class, uh, what were uh, some of your favorite places to play in the Bay Area, and what were the where was the toughest competition? That's a good question. That's a great question. That's a great man. question. I'll, I'll definitely say so. There were multiple places we played. Like back in the day, you guys probably attested this because you guys all hoop, right? You wake up, go to one part. Lunch, you go home and eat. Lunchtime, go to another part. Mm-hmm. Go home and eat. Go back in the evening, go to another park. Uh, the place that I enjoyed the most and that I had the most history uh, hooping in for myself was Fair Oaks Park in Sunnyvale. Mm. Um, so that was like the cages. That was like Rucker Park to us, right? Because uh, all the ballers would come out there and we would have, it literally is like a big cage with three courts. You have middle court is the main court that everybody hoops at. Um, and that's probably where I feel like I had the most fun and the most like competitive battles. Um so, like, we would have college guys out come out there. And when you see, like, a, co- a group of kids that are either play high school or college, they, it was like sharks. You're like, sh- you're like yeah. a shark out there, man. Yeah. Like, you're, if you're, you're there hooping and you're like the street ball guy and you see a bunch of kids that, you know, you already know they play organized ball, oh, man, it's, it's game time, yeah, man. We're ready that. for you, bro. You wake like, up, you wake up <laughs> for that. You step up yeah. right there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that came from my mentality of, like, growing up and not wanting to do organized ball. Now I see some organized hoopers, I'm going to go at them, man. Like, we coming at you quick. I don't care if you're 6'4", six, 6'5", six, we coming at you. Uh, we're going to be talking our trash. You know, we're going to be uh, doing all types of street ball moves and all that stuff. So Fair Oaks Park was the spot uh, for me personally. Um, and then kind of later on down the line, you know, uh, Sunnyvale, Saratoga, 24-Hour Fitness. But the main part uh, gym out there was San Jose, uh, right off Bay, uh, right off uh, uh, 101 uh, Freeway. Uh, there's 24-Hour Fitness there, and that's where all the hoopers go mm. uh, mm. in the Bay Area. Um, so that spot was probably the most competitive because you had all types of people coming. From. So that's, that's where the toughest competition was? Toughest competition as far as in that area where we used to go, where I used to go, yes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that Bay 101, 24-Hour Fitness. We'd have people from... Um, Hayward, the East Bay come out. We have people from Palo Alto. Have people from uh, even I've had I've seen people from SF come out there consistently uh, just to get run. So, this is any day, any day, yeah, yeah. And we'd be there. I would be there from. And this is when I used to work at Verizon, like where I have work at eight in the morning and do an inventory. I'd be there till four in the morning and there's runs. Wow, like, it was crazy. Like yeah. we'd go there, get there ten, and we wouldn't leave till. 
4, 4.30, I sneak into the house <laughs> while my wife's asleep, and I slide into bed real quick, and then roll back out and just like go take a shower. Like, oh, I got to go to work. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's dedication right there. Four yeah. in the morning, sneaking in, and right. then going to work. Not from the club. Yeah, you're, you're from, that <laughs> from the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, did you say you talk trash? Like, you don't strike me as someone that talks trash. Uh, I mean, you're like a polite trash. You're like I've a Tim Duncan trash talker. Videos, no. You know what he strikes me as like a like you know how Tim Duncan would talk trash. Yeah, like yeah, so, yeah. Someone misses a shot, almost. <laughs> right? yeah. I, I totally see that in him too. Airball, good shot, bro. No, no, I see good try, it. good try. He's got that chip on his shoulder from that that game he didn't play. Yeah, I, I used to. Yeah, I, I used to go so in. You're in. I, go in. Trash I used to. I used to go in. I mean, I. I mean, my 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 teammates might attest to it that. People can get me going for are you, sure. Are you the type you get on the court and you you, you the, the the switch just flips? You're the switch totally can't guy. Flip, like yeah. you turn into an animal. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The you flip can't switch because yeah. of all of us here, Harold's probably the one that that would say something, talk. Because I, I don't think any of us actually talk when we play. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you not talking because you're you're you're, 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 you're you're one of those. You're like oh, you're that guy almost. <laughs> <laughs> No, nice oh, you thought you had good yeah, handles. No, I'll talk like that. Teammates. Teammates. No, I'll, I'll, I'll talk like that. But no, no, no. I, I don't. I'm not a trash talker is, at all. This is coming from the guy who got three technicals in a game. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not a trash Let's talker. Forget that. I'm not a trash Wait, talker. It was because I was talking trash. Got three technicals he got. I've never he got, got a double T thrown out the game. Got a third T. Oh my god. Because he would not let it go. Can we talk about that? Like what happened? All right, we can talk. I was really upset because. That game got really chippy. Okay. It was against this team. And this is in our older league. The playoffs game? Like, no. No. Nah, sort of like no. mid-30s already. Mid to late 30s. And um, we were also playing together. And uh, it got chippy because it was a team that we always beat. Like, yeah. I shouldn't say this, but, you know, during right before the game, sometimes during halftime, we're taking shots. We're just like, we don't care. Right? We're, just, we're playing there to have fun. We know we got you. Right. We'd still beat this team, right? But they're going out is really hard. And the referee, like like I said to him, like, hey, man, this is this is something you control. And um, teased me up for that. Uh, I said something to him again. I think it was that I don't think it was that polite. Yeah, <laughs> the first time it was pretty polite. The second time it wasn't. It might have been the intent. But, uh, <laughs> the, second time, the second time it wasn't polite. Uh, the second time I think it was specifically him. He got clobbered, right? Okay. And I was like, dude, now you're, you're risking our safety. Me? I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're the only one paid here, dude. Like, you are literally, we all came here and paid into the league so you could be paid. Right. So we need your help. And uh, he, he brushed it to the side. And um, the third one, I don't know. I, I, was just, I, I think you got I the second because you just wouldn't let it go. And then when he gave you the second, you were fairly calm. And when he gave you the second, that's when you kind of went ballistic. Fair. And then he gave you a third. And we're like, wait, can you get a third? How do you get a third T? That's right, yeah. I was like, oh, I thought he was kicked out already. How do you get another one? Well, well, actually, he turned to him, and I was like, I don't even care anymore. I'm out of the game. <laughs> so it was like rapid fire, just tech, tech, tech. Yeah, that's much. crazy. You ever, had, you ever had an experience like that? Maybe have not. Maybe not that out? How many T's have you, you ever kicked out of a game? I, I've, I've got kicked out of it. It was in Vegas, actually. We had a tournament, tournament? and it was pretty bad. Yeah, a lot a lot, of, a lot of my teammates that were out there, they'll, they'll be like, "Man, I never saw, I never thought I'd see that." So what outside of you? It was just same thing. A ref, you know, uh, they're getting chippy. A local team, we're playing against a local team, and I literally got uh, a forearm to the neck in front of the ref. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the, I'll be honest, the night before, I was prepared, man. I, I told my wife, I said, hey, if they call the games the way they're calling it today, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> right? I told my wife. So we go in there. They're being chippy. Same thing. We're not getting calls. I get actually grabbed on the hip on one play when I'm on a fast break. They pull me on the hips. I lose the ball. Goes out of bounds. Out on me. Right? And uh, and I look at the ref. I'm like, what's the what's the call, man? What's the call? He's like, out of bounds on you. And then the other guy that actually grabbed my hips, he's like, I don't know what's going on, bro. <laughs> I'm like, that don't help at all, right? <laughs> like, that don't help that me makes at all. even more mad. Yeah, it's like, what the hell? So he seen it. Da, da, da. So, uh, so. You know, whatever, I'm, met, I'm pissed off. I yell at the ref, ends up, whatever. So we continue to try to play. Uh, and we're already about to lose. It's like a minute left. You know, we're down, whatever. I get chopped blo- a, a forearm to the throat right in front of the ref. Ball again, goes out of bounds. Call They call that out of bounds on me. So I get in the ref's face. I yell at him. You know, I'm like, what's the call, man? What's the call? What's the call? And I'm like, in his face, right? And he's just like looking at me. So I end up turning around, take my jersey off, throw it at the crowd. Oh, you went crazy. Oh, I went crazy, man. You pulled a Mike Dunleavy? You went crazy, man. I had to leave. I walked off the court. Bro, uh, what's, what's trippy about that is he premeditated the night before. Yeah, yeah you kind of manifested yeah. it. They're out of Las Vegas buffet. He's like, hey, man, if I lose it tomorrow. She's like, I'm trying to have fun at this buffet right now. I'm trying to get into this sea bass. She was like, can you get kicked out early so we can get this buffet? Can you lose it a little bit earlier? Yeah, yeah. No, I was done, man. And I, I yelled at the tournament director. I was like, you need to get better rest, this and that. Um, and then I just went upstairs and sat down and just, like, cooled off. But everybody was tripping out. Because, um, they again, same thing. They didn't expect that. But I was already heated, man. I mean, you get a forearm to the neck. You're like, hold up, bro. Like, come on, man. This ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually a good opportunity to bring it back to the kids. Uh, yeah. like, <laughs> bring it back to the kids, bro. It's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. It's about the kids. Like, Keeping your composure when you're playing, like, you know, is that stuff that you teach? Like, yeah, it is. I mean, I'll be honest. So I have I have kids on my team that can't lose it, right? right. Um, I have one kid that I call the firecracker because he, he literally is like, he's he's the smallest guy on our team, but he's a firecracker. Shout out, firecracker. Yeah, shout out to the firecracker. You know who you are, right? Uh, he's the assistant coaches. Uh, shout out to Coach Ray. It's his son. But at the same well, we, time, we didn't know him until now. Yeah. <laughs> Is that legal? It's a minor, right? Yeah, we might edit this. <laughs> yeah. Feel free, man. Because I mean, he's a good kid, and and he's he's tough, man. But uh, sometimes he can lose it a little bit, and it's tough, man. Because at the same time, you understand because since he's the smallest guy on the court, he gets he gets beat up, mm. you know. And he's trying to get between you know screens and this and that. He's trying to you know uh, you know drive it in, and he's getting beat up. And you know sometimes. You know, you're like, yeah, you should get mad. You should get it, you know, try to get even. But at the same time, you take a step back and you're the coach and you're like, hold on. Like, we have to talk about this real quick and just say, you know what, let's show them how we, you know, let's just get that payback on the court, right? Let's just play through it and, you know, let's see where it takes us. Um, and he was actually a direct recipient of some of the stuff that even went on in Reno. Um, and he handled himself really well because uh, it could have been bad, you know. Uh, we had kids crying and all that stuff. Uh, but as a coach, uh, to your point, you do have to teach them like, hey, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's not okay to uh, reciprocate in that in that fashion. Just, you know, show them what you got in the game, man. And I try to take that even into my league games too, as well, uh, so that when the kids watch the videos, they can see that. Uh, but there are moments where I'll lose it, you know, what I'm saying. But uh, you know, trying to make sure that the kids understand, like, if you work your butt off and somebody is digging into you and trying to give you a hard time. Get back at them through the game. Win the game. 
win the game and then let's let's walk off and let's just let them be let them handle be the way they want to be but we won let's we're out of here that's the best trash talk there is right that's the best trash talk yeah, yeah. scoreboard yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. scoreboard In scoreboard animals. scoreboard yeah <laughs> yeah exactly 100 percent. so and, and that's a that's a really cool thing to do it's it you know but i've seen coaches go the other way too you know and we've seen that in like social media uh, the news and everything with uh not just too long ago you know with parents like getting involved in the games fighting with the refs those kinds of things we set an example you know as coaches as parents we have to set an example for these kids and you know with the way the kids act that's a testament to how they're being raised uh-huh. yeah. um, and we see, we see that in sports all the time um, so i think on the flip side as a coach you're almost more responsible because you're in those moments and you have control in those moments some parents don't have control in those moments you have control so it's your opportunity to give that kid a chance to like learn and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't act like this. Um, and if you want to act like that outside of the court and all that stuff as a coach, yeah, I don't want you to do that, but definitely don't do it here. Yeah. Not yeah. in your house. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Not in our house. Right. hundred percent. Right. Not on your watch. Not on our watch. Cause it affects everybody. Yep. It, affects, it affects the team, affects the program, affects the game and affects you as a person. Um, as, as, as far as how you conduct yourself mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, Ben, the name of this podcast is the second half, right? So we would like to ask you now, what is what do you see in your second half? This is a pivotal age for you, thirty nine going into forty. So, yeah, perfect time you to ask this going, question. Start feeling, man. Going. Yeah, yeah. When you said knee pain, I'm like, yep, <laughs> I know how that feel. Yeah, um, you know, I think the training side of things is now starting to where I'm starting to gravitate and enjoy it. Maybe even more so than playing basketball itself. Um, I didn't think that that would be the case, but when I started doing it, um, I started realizing like teaching kids that type of thing, you know, and and even hearing parents like relay the opposite message, but then having the opportunity to tell the kids in the game of basketball and that aspect, like this is not okay here, regardless of whatever is being taught to you. You know, this is the way I I want you to conduct yourself, and you know, if your parent doesn't like it, then they can go to a different program, right? Um, but this is the way that we handle ourselves here in this program. Uh, being able to impact kids that way, uh, impact the next generation, has been super important to me. Um, so, second half wise, I feel like I'm going to continue, you know, training and coaching and and doing that side of things, uh, whether it be through basketball, entrepreneurship, or whatever it is. Um, it's just something that is really important to me is to be able to impact the next generation. Uh, you know, just recently in our, in our in our own town, they tried to take away our basketball court where a lot of kids go. Um, that was really you know, this is like maybe about six, seven months ago, uh, where they where they were trying to do that, and after they took out took the courts away, we had a casualty of somebody that went to the courts, um, and that really told me like, hey, this next generation is so important. This type of a basketball court, this type of facility, this type of a activity is so important to the community, right? Um, this is the same exact time that that kid would have been at the basketball courts playing with us. Wow, he was out on the streets because the basketball is closed, uh, courts closed, and ends up getting shot. So not saying that that has everything to do with it, but as a person like trying to stop that basketball court from being taken away, it like just signaled to me like, you know, that could have been the case. You know, he could have been somewhere else. Right. So um, that that really impacted me to say, okay, well, you know, we have our next kid, our next generation growing up. How are we going to be able to take them off the streets and give them something positive to do? Um, And, you know, a a positive mentality and, and, you know, something to keep them busy. Um, and, you know, just like anybody else, you know, you have your outlet. My passion is basketball, so I'm going to go ahead and go the basketball route. Right. Let's get you kids off the street. Let's get you guys working. Let's teach you how to, like, you know, anger management, all that stuff, uh, you know, how to how to use this as an outlet. 
and let's let's go from there. Um, so, yeah, second half is probably going to be that basketball, hundred percent the whole way through, entrepreneurship, hundred percent all the way whole, all the way through, following your dreams, having faith, all that stuff the whole way through for the second half. What events do you have coming up? Um, we don't really have anything crazy coming up. Um, you know, right now my main focus is building this program that I have. Like I said, I'm only three months in. So building the uh, the infrastructure on it, uh, in, within it, and building the program itself. Uh, so I used to take martial arts. So right now with our program, one thing we're building is what we call the uh, the bands program. Um, or sorry, the levels program, where we give kids bands. So you start at uh, white band, move on to orange band, nice. yellow band. Nice. So it's like martial arts where you have like white belt, orange belt, yellow belt. Um, and with that, it gives kids you know something to, to push towards. Uh, goals. Yeah. yeah, goals. Exactly, yeah. So... Um, the kids have been enjoying that, so just continuing to build on that um, is the key thing right now. Um, any events that pop up are just things that we do with our nonprofit. Um, so I've just started a nonprofit with my uh, partner uh, called Taking uh, Taking Flight Sports Academy, um, and we're going to be doing some you know car events, those kinds of things. But there's no date on it just yet. But okay. we definitely want to continue to do things for the community. Main goal is basically to assist kids uh, with whatever their passion is, whether it be cars, shoes, basketball. Um, tell, like tell us about the nonprofit. We didn't hear about that. Uh, so yeah, so Taking Flight uh, Sports Academy is is basically just uh, we're basically going to be mixing education with with sports. Uh, our, our goal is to build a facility um, over in Tracy uh, at the West Valley Mall, uh, which is like in Tracy they don't even call it a mall because there's like nobody in there, <laughs> but like all the stores are like closed. But uh, it's it's a central part of Tracy, and we want to be able to utilize a certain space in there uh, to give kids a space to play basketball to learn sports to also do like uh, some like you know whether they want to get a tutor and those kinds of things uh, we want to be able to do that within that space um, and then also do different types of events too for the for the community is there a model for that because that's kind of unique i've never heard of like you know being able to let, utilize like a mall type facility to have people come and you know learn to play and get yeah. you know a lot of different other activities and education not that i know of um i haven't seen very many within the mall system um i worked at a mall for 12 years i know the opportunity that you have to bring people to the mall yeah. um and i know that you know it's a central place um so it gives a really good opportunity for the community to see it because even with my program i do my programs at the park so not a lot of people know about it even at this point I have close to 50 to 60 kids within the program, which is awesome and wow. amazing for me to just look at it and be like, that's crazy that we're able to do that. Uh, but I know that in order to reach some of these kids that just, you know, are just hanging out and hanging around and kind of doing silly things, you know, the mall is a place where a lot of these kids are going to go and just try to mess around because that's what I used to do. Yeah. <laughs> I used to hang out at the mall all day and yep. great mall and just walk around for four or five hours doing nothing, uh, you know, seeing fights and all this stuff. Um, uh, but you know, this is a you know for me in this community, it's an opportunity just to be there, so the kids can see it and they can maybe ask questions, give them information, and maybe even have them come in for a session. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's yeah. like a like a boys and girls club at the mall. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Hundred percent. Because they're going to be crazy. there anyways. They can be there anyways, right? They can be there anyways. It gives them a place to go, and then also for the parents, they can go shop and eat whatever. So it's just a, a cool little spot that we want to build. Definitely, for them. it's a great idea. Nobody yeah. steal that. Please. And what's the- yeah, yeah, no, it sounds groundbreaking. That's why I had to ask. Right. And what's the best way to get a hold of you? What's, what's uh, my Instagram's the best way to get a hold of me at Daily B Baller. Um, that's the easiest way to get a hold. Of me. I check my DMs all the time. Reply back to every DM, um, and that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Also at dailybballer at gmail That's another way to get a hold of me too. And lastly, any parting messages to our audience and to your followers? Um, you know, stay grinding daily. That's it. Really, just as simple as that. Stay on your daily grind. 
constantly do what you love enjoy it uh find your passion uh find your purpose and just go with it yeah awesome man well thank you for being here dude love it's it been a pleasure. Thank, you, thank, thank you brother SF to the town, dad pods, now we just running our mouths, barbershop talk, rocking the spot, got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot, lifelong bond has the convos flow, time just goes, constant growth, straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs, listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.